and attack one of the king's army, for he was right loath to fight against him. So when fifteen weeks were passed, and King Arthur's army wasted itself in vain against the castle, for it was passing strong, it chanced upon a day Sir Lancelot was looking from the walls and espied King Arthur and Sir Gawain close beside. Come forth, Sir Lancelot, said King Arthur right fiercely, and let us to meet in the midst of the field. God forbid that I should encounter with thee, Lord, for thou didst make me a knight, replied Sir Lancelot. Then cried Sir Gawain, Shame on thee, traitor and false knight, yet be ye well assured we will regain the queen and slay thee and thy company, yea, double shame on ye to slay my brother Gaheris and armed, Sir Gareth also, who loved ye so well, for that treachery, be sure I and thine enemy till death. Alas, cried Sir Lancelot, that I hear such tidings, for I knew not I had slain those noble knights, and right sorely now do I repent it with a heavy heart. Yet abate thy wrath, Sir Gawain, for ye know full well I did it by mischance, for I love them ever as my own brothers. Thou liest, false recreant, cried Sir Gawain, fiercely, at that Sir Lancelot was wroth, and said, I well see thou art now mine enemy, and that there can be no more peace with thee, or with my lord the king, else would I gladly give back the queen, then the king would fain have listened to Sir Lancelot for more than all his own wrong did he grieve at the sore waste and damage of the realm, but Sir Gawain persuaded him against it, and ever cried out foully on Sir Lancelot, when Sir Bors and the other knights of Lancelot's party heard the fierce words of Sir Gawain, they were passing wroth, and prayed to ride forth and be avenged on him, for they were weary of so long waiting to no good, and in the end Sir Lancelot, with a heavy heart, consented, so on the morrow the hosts on either side met in the field, and there was a great battle, and Sir Gawain prayed his knights chiefly to set upon Sir Lancelot, but Sir Lancelot commanded his company to forbear King Arthur and Sir Gawain. So the two armies jousted together right fiercely, and Sir Gawain proffered to encounter with Sir Lionel, and overthrew him, but Sir Bors, and Sir Blamer, and Sir Palamides, who were on Sir Lancelot's side, did great feats of arms and overthrew many of King Arthur's knights. Then the king came forth against Sir Lancelot, but Sir Lancelot forbore him and would not strike again. At that Sir Bors rode up against the king and smote him down. But Sir Lancelot cried, Touch him not on pain of thy head. And going to King Arthur he alighted and gave him his own horse, saying, My lord, I pray thee forbear this strife, for it can bring to neither of us any honor. And when King Arthur looked on him the tears came to his eyes as he thought of his noble courtesy, and he said within himself, Alas, that ever this war began, but on the morrow Sir Gawain led forth the army again, and Sir Bors commanded on Sir Lancelot's side, and they two struck together so fiercely that both fell to the ground sorely wounded, and all the day they fought till night fell, and many were slain on both sides, yet in the end neither gained the victory. But by now the fame of this fierce war spread through all Christendom, and when the Pope heard thereof he sent a bull, and charged King Arthur to make peace with Lancelot, and receive back Queen Guinevere, and for the offense imputed to her absolution should be given by the Pope. Thereto would King Arthur straightway have obeyed, but Sir Gawain ever urged him to refuse. When Sir Lancelot heard thereof, he wrote thus to the King, It was never in my thought, Lord, to withhold thy queen from me. But since she was condemned for my sake to death, I deemed it but a just and knightly part to rescue her therefrom, 
wherefore I recommend me to your grace, and within eight days will I come to thee and bring the queen in safety. Then, within eight days, as he had said, Sir Lancelot rode from out the castle with Queen Guinevere, and a hundred knights for company, each carrying an olive branch, in sign of peace, and so they came to the court, and found King Arthur sitting on his throne, with Sir Gawain and many other knights around him, and when Sir Lancelot entered with the queen, they both kneeled down before the king, and on Sir Lancelot rose and said, My lord, I have brought hither my lady the queen again, as right requireth, and by commandment of the Pope and you, I pray ye take her to your heart again and forget the past, for myself I may ask nothing, and for my sin I shall have sorrow and sore punishment, yet I would to heaven I might have your grace, but ere the king could answer, for he was moved with pity at his words, Sir Gawain cried aloud, let the king do as he will, but be sure, Sir Lancelot, thou and I shall never be accorded while we live, for thou hast slain my brethren traitorously and unarmed, as heaven is my help, replied Sir Lancelot, I did it ignorantly, for I love them well, and while I live I shall bewail their death, but to make war with thee were to no avail, for I must needs fight with thee if thou sailest, and peradventure I might kill thee also, which I were a right loath to do, I will forgive thee never, cried Sir Gawain, and if the king accordeth with thee he shall lose my service, then the knights who stood near tried to reconcile Sir Gawain to Sir Lancelot, but he would not hear them, so, at the last, Sir Lancelot said, since peace is being, I will depart, lest I bring more evil on my fellowship, and as he turned to go, the tears fell from him, and he said, alas, most noble Christian realm, which I have loved above all others, now shall I see thee never more, then said he to the queen, madam, now must I leave ye and this noble fellowship forever, and, I beseech ye, pray for me, and if ye ever be defamed of any, let me hear thereof, and as I have been ever thy true knight in right and wrong, so will I be again, with that he kneeled and kissed King Arthur's hands, and departed on his way, and there was none in all that court, save Sir Gawain alone, but wept to see him go, so he returned with all his knights to the castle of Lovejoy's guard, and, for his sorrow's sake, he named it Dolorous Guard thenceforth, and on he left the realm, and went with many of his fellowship beyond the sea to France, and there divided all his lands among them equally, he sharing but as the rest, and from that time forward peace had been between him and King Arthur, but for Sir Gawain, who left the king no rest, but constantly persuaded him that Lancelot was raising mighty hosts against him, so in the end his malice overcame the king, who left the government in charge of Modard, and made him guardian of the queen, and went with a great army to invade Sir Lancelot's lands, yet Sir Lancelot would make no war upon the king, and sent a message to gain peace on any terms King Arthur chose, but Sir Gawain met the herald ere he reached the king, and sent him back with taunting and bitter words, whereat Sir Lancelot sorrowfully called his knights together and fortified the castle of Benvik, and there was shortly besieged by the army of King Arthur, and every day Sir Gawain rode up to the walls, and cried out foully on Sir Lancelot, till, upon a time, Sir Lancelot answered him that he would meet him in the field and put his boasting to the proof, so it was agreed on both sides that there should none come nigh them or separate them till one had fallen or yielded, and they two rode forth, then did they wheel their horses apart, and turning, came together as it had been thunder, so that both horses fell, and both their lances broke, 
at that they drew their swords and set upon each other fiercely, with passing grievous strokes. Now Sir Gawain had through magic a marvelous great gift, for every day, from morning till noon, his strength waxed to the might of seven men, but after that waned to his natural force. Therefore till noon he gave Sir Lancelot many mighty buffets, which scarcely he endured, yet greatly he forbore Sir Gawain, for he was aware of his enchantment, and smote him slightly till his own knights marveled. But after noon Sir Gawain's strength sank fast, and then, with one full blow, Sir Lancelot laid him on the earth. Then Sir Gawain cried out, Turn not away, thou traitor knight, but slay me if thou wilt or else I will arise and fight with thee again some other time. Sir Knight, replied Sir Lancelot, I never yet smote a fallen man. At that they bore Sir Gawain sorely wounded to his tent, and King Arthur withdrew his men, for he was loath to shed the blood of so many knights of his own fellowship. But now came tidings to King Arthur from across the sea, which caused him to return in haste, for thus the news ran, that no sooner was Sir Modred set up in his regency, then he had forged false tidings from abroad that the king had fallen in a battle with Sir Lancelot, whereas he had proclaimed himself the king, and had been crowned at Canterbury, where he had held a coronation feast for fifteen days. Then he had gone to Winchester, where Queen Guinevere abode, and had commanded her to be his wife, whereto, for fear and sore perplexity, she had feigned consent, but, under a pretext of preparing for the marriage, had fled in haste to London and taken shelter in the tower, fortifying it and providing it with all manner of nettles, and defending it against Sir Modred, and answering to all his threats that she would rather slay herself than be his queen. Thus was it written to King Arthur. Then, in passing great wrath and haste, he came with all his army swiftly back from France and sailed to England. But when Sir Modred heard thereof, he left the tower and marched with all his host to meet the king at Dover. Then fled Queen Guinevere to Amesbury to a nunnery, and there she clothed herself in sackcloth, and spent her time in praying for the king and in good deeds and fasting, and in that nunnery evermore she lived, sorely repenting and mourning for her sin, and for the ruin she had brought on all the realm, and therein on she died, and when Sir Lancelot heard thereof, he put his knightly armor off, and bade farewell to all his kin, and went a mighty pilgrimage for many years and after lived a hermit till his death. When Sir Modred came to Dover, he found King Arthur and his army but just landed, and there they fought a fierce and bloody battle, and many great and noble knights fell on both sides, but the king's side had the victory, for he was beyond himself with might and passion, and all his knights so fiercely followed him, that, in spite of all their multitude, they drove Sir Modred's army back with fearful wounds and slaughter, and slept that night upon the battlefield, but Sir Gawain was smitten by an arrow in the wound Sir Lancelot gave him, and wounded to the death. Then was he born to the king's tent, and King Arthur sorrowed over him as it had been his own son. Alas, said he, in Sir Lancelot and in you I had my greatest earthly joy, and now is all gone from me. And Sir Gawain answered, with a feeble voice, My lord and king, I know well my death is come, and through my own willfulness, for I am smitten in the wound Sir Lancelot gave me. Alas, that I have been the cause of all this war, for but for me thou hadst been now at peace with Lancelot, and then had Modred never done this treason, I pray ye. Therefore, my dear lord, be now agreed with Lancelot, and tell him, that although he gave me my death wound, it was through my own seeking, 
wherefore I beseech him to come back to England, and here to visit my tomb, and pray for my soul. When he had thus spoken, Sir Gawain gave up his ghost, and the king grievously mourned for him. Then they told him that the enemy had camped on Barham Downs, whereat, with all his hosts, he straightway marched there, and fought again a bloody battle, and overthrew Sir Ermoderd utterly. Howbeit, he raised yet another army, and retreating ever from before the king, increased his numbers as he went, till at the farthest west in Leonis, he once more made a stand. Now, on the night of Trinity Sunday, being the eve of the battle, King Arthur had a vision, and saw Sir Gawain in a dream, who warned him not to fight with Modard on the morrow, else he would be surely slain, and prayed him to delay till Lancelot and his knights should come to aid him. So when King Arthur woke he told his lords and knights that vision, and all agreed to wait the coming of Sir Lancelot. Then a herald was sent with a message of truce to Sir Modard, and a treaty was made that neither army should assail the other. But when the treaty was agreed upon, and the heralds returned, King Arthur said to his knights, Beware, lest Sir Modard deceive us, for I in no wise trust him, and if swords be drawn be ready to encounter. And Sir Modard likewise gave an order, that if any man of the king's army drew his sword, they should begin to fight. And as it chanced, a knight of the king's side was bitten by an adder in the foot, and hastily drew forth his sword to slay it. That saw Sir Modard, and forthwith commanded all his army to assail the king's. So both sides rushed to battle, and fought passing fiercely, and when the king saw there was no hope to stay them, he did right mightily and nobly as a king should do, and ever, like a lion, raged in the thickest of the press, and slew on the right hand and on the left, till his horse went fetlock deep in blood, so all day long they fought, and stinted not till many a noble knight was slain, but the king was passing sorrowful to see his trusty knights lie dead on every side and at the last but to remain beside him, Sir Lucan, and his brother, Sir Bedivier, and both were sorely wounded. Now am I come to mine end, said King Arthur, but, lo, that traitor moderate life yet, and I may not die till I have slain him. Now, give me my spear, Sir Lucan, Lord, let him be, replied Sir Lucan, for if ye pass through this unhappy day, ye shall be right well revenged upon him, my good Lord. Remember well your dream, and what the spirit of Sir Gawain did forewarn ye. Betide me life, betide me death, said the king, now I see him yonder alone. He shall never escape my hands, for at a better vantage shall I never have him. God speed you well, said Sir Bedivere. Then King Arthur got his spear in both his hands, and ran towards Sir Modard, crying, Traitor, now is thy death day come, and when Sir Modard heard his words, and saw him come, he drew his sword and stood to meet him, then King Arthur smote Sir Modard through the body more than a fathom, and when Sir Modard felt he had his death wound, he thrust himself with all his might up to the end of King Arthur's spear, and smote his father, Arthur, with his sword upon the head, so that it pierced both helm and brain pan, and therewith Sir Modard fell down stark dead to the earth, and King Arthur fell down also in a swoon, and swooned many times. Then Sir Lucan and Sir Bedivere came and bare him away to a little chapel by the seashore, and there Sir Lucan sank down with the bleeding of his own wounds, and fell dead, and King Arthur lay long in a swoon, and when he came to himself, he found Sir Lucan lying dead beside him, and Sir Bedivere weeping over the body of his brother. Then said the king to Sir Bedivere, Weeping will avail no longer, 
else would I grieve forevermore. Alas! Now is the fellowship of the round table dissolved forever, and all my realm I have so loved is wasted with war. But my time hieth fast, wherefore take thou Excalibur, my good sword, and go therewith to yonder water side and throw it in and bring me word what thing thou southeastest. So Sir Abedivir departed, but as he went he looked upon the sword, the hilt whereof was all inlaid with precious stones exceeding rich, and presently he said within himself, If I now throw this sword into the water, what good should come of it? So he hid the sword among the reeds, and came again to the king. What sawest thou? said he to Sir Abedivir. Lord, said he, I saw nothing else but wind and waves. Thou hast it truly spoken, said the king. Wherefore go lightly back and throw it in and spare not. Then Sir Abedivir returned again, and took the sword up in his hand, but when he looked on it, he thought it sin and shame to throw away a thing so noble. Wherefore he hid it yet again, and went back to the king. What saw ye? said King Arthur. Lord, answered he, I saw nothing but the water ebbing and flowing. Oh, traitor and intrude, cried out the king, twice hast thou now betrayed me. Art thou called of men a noble knight, and wouldest betray me for a jeweled sword? Now, therefore, go again for the last time, for thy tarrying hath put me in sore peril of my life, and I fear my wound hath taken cold, and if thou do it not this time, by my faith I will arise and slay thee with my hands. Then Sir Abedivia ran quickly and took up the sword, and went down to the water's edge, and bound the girdle round the hilt and threw it far into the water, and lo! An arm and hand came forth above the water, and caught the sword, and brandished it three times, and vanished. So Sir Abedivir came again to the king and told him what he had seen. Help me from hence, said King Arthur, for I dread me I have tarried over long. Then Sir Abedivir took the king up in his arms, and bore him to the water's edge, and by the shore they saw a barge with three fair queens therein, all dressed in black, and when they saw King Arthur they wept and wailed. Now put me in the barge, said he to Sir Abedivir, and tenderly he did so. Then the three queens received him, and he laid his head upon the lap of one of them, who cried, Alas, dear brother, why have ye tarried so long? For your wound hath taken cold, with that the barge put from the land, and when Sir Abedivir saw it departing, he cried with a bitter cry, Alas, my lord King Arthur, what shall become of me now ye have gone from me? Comfort ye, said King Arthur, and be strong, for I may no more help ye. I go to the Vale of Emilion to heal me of my grievous wound, and if ye see me no more, pray for my soul. Then the three queens kneeled down around the king and sorely wept and wailed, and the barge went forth to sea, and departed slowly out of Sir Abedivir's sight.